the church, I want to ask you a question. If Jesus Christ is the head of the church, and he gave himself for the church, wouldn't it make sense that we would look to him for all that we need in the church? Wouldn't it make sense? Paul writing to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter number 5, is he takes the relationship between Jesus Christ and the church And he takes the marriage scene and he equates the two of them together. One of the things that he says, he says, just as the husband is the head of the wife, even so Christ is the head of the church. And he all goes on to talk about the love that Jesus Christ had for the church. And not only does he describe the love that he had for the church, but he talks about the love that the husband has for his wife. And even so, Jesus Christ loved the church. Are you ready for this? He gave himself for the church. And so, would it make sense for us today as a church to seek him in all that we do? Matter of fact, there's an example given to us in the Gospels. Jesus Christ is working with his disciples and he's trying to get them to to fully understand who he is. And when you have Jesus Christ, to get them to fully understand that when you have Christ, this is what you also have. There is no lack of anything. There There is no need there when Jesus Christ feels that need. And to understand this as well, that You know, we often use this phrase, and sometimes I think we use it kind of a little flippantly. Little is much when God is in it. You know, the real question is, do do we fully believe that? That surely, from a little, God can take that little and multiply it to the degree that, humanly speaking, that there is absolutely no way it could have taken place. Apart from God. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time have we seen a moving of God in our churches to that magnitude and that manner? Huh? Take your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter number 6. A very familiar passage of Scripture. And matter of fact, the only thing that most people remember about it is Hey, Jesus fed 5,000 with, with what? Bread and fish, okay. More specifically, how about five barley loaves and two little fish? And then here's what most people know about it. And at the end of it, he collected 12 more baskets of food. And that's about the extent that we really know about the feeding of the 5,000. But hopefully by the time we get finished with this morning, you'll look at the feeding of the 5,000 through a little bit different look. Chapter 6 of the Gospel of John, verse 1 through verse number 5, we will read those first. And let me say this before we read those. You know, it is so easy... To let what we cannot do 
keep us from doing what we can. I'm going to say that one more time. It is so easy to let what we cannot do keep us from doing what we can. Verse 1 of chapter 6. And after these things, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee or Tiberias. So there was a large crowd that followed him. I want you to understand why they were following him. They were following him for a specific reason. And it's given to us in verse 2. Because they saw the signs that he was performing on those who were sick. Verse 3, then Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat down with his disciples. And now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was near. Therefore, Jesus, lifting up his eyes and seeing that a large crowd was coming to him, said to Philip, So where are we to buy bread so that these may eat? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And Father, we understand and realize that your promise was made that your word would not return to you void, but it would accomplish what you intend. And so, Father, we pray for nothing more than your perfect will to be done in every heart and every life that's here today and those that are watching and listening online. And so, Father, we just pray now that the Holy Spirit would go before us, prepare the way for us. Father, allow us to draw from your word the truths that you would have us to see. Father, then to take them and apply them in our lives each and every day. So as we live life each day, not only today, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, till we gather again. Father, to live a life that is pleasing and honoring and glorifying of you. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. This miracle is an interesting one because it finds itself in all four of the Gospels. Uh, Not only here in John, but also in Matthew and Mark and in Luke. And so as you draw from all of the Gospel accounts, I'm just going to give you a quick summary of kind of what happens. One of the first things, though, that they recommended that Jesus do was to send the people away. And that's recorded for us in Mark chapter number 6. It had been a long day. Jesus was tired. They were coming down towards the close of the day. They'd been traveling and basically they said, you just need to send these people away from here. As a matter of fact, one of the things was to get rid of the problem. I want you to understand the disciples saw it as a problem. That's not the way Jesus sees it. One of the things that I often say around here, the staff knows, I don't see things as problem. I see them as opportunities. Opportunities to do what? Opportunities to make a difference, to make an impact or whatever. But when you go read the four gospel accounts, one of the things that you will see was, one of the reasons, well, we can just get rid of the problem But here's the other side of this. Jesus was not going to send the people away hungry by any means. It was evening. We know that from Matthew 14 and verse 15. And that was no time for travel either. And so Jesus has all of these people. And I know 
I've heard all these different numbers about the total number of people that were actually out there. Well, let me just kind of give you a, a for instance. We know it was 5,000 men because the scripture tells us it was 5,000 men specifically. So if you calculate and just do some quick math here, take 5,000 men and take an average of four to a household, you multiply that out, it comes to 20,000 people. Well, that 20,000 people, that, okay. I mean, how many, our stadiums today hold 100,000, okay? A lot of venues today, you know, 20 to 30,000 is not a lot of people. Well, convention industry says this says that each person should have approximately 13.5 square feet. Well, if you multiply that out or divide that out, here's the way it comes out. It's 3.67 feet by 3.67 feet equates to 13.5 square feet per person. Well, now if you do a little bit more math, you take 20,000 people and multiply that times 13.5 square feet. And guess what? Now all of a sudden you're at 6.2 acres. So here's Jesus coming towards the end of the day and got all of these people sitting out here. He's not going to send them away hungry. The disciples see this absolutely as a problem, not as an opportunity. Jesus sees it from a whole different perspective. And I wonder how many of us in church today see culture and the world that we live in more as a problem than we do an opportunity. An opportunity to do what? An opportunity to share who Jesus Christ actually is. So what do we do today? We're real quick to send them away. Why? Because they don't look like we do. We're real quick to send them away because they don't talk like we do. We're real quick to send them away because we don't want to be bothered with it. Because they bring all of these cultural issues and all these problems inside of the church. And just quite frankly, we're content and set wherever we are and we don't want to disrupt it. God help us today. God help us that we have that mindset. God help us today that we don't see this place as a place of opportunity for people to become engaged with someone by the name of Jesus Christ who can absolutely change their life and set them on a path that they need to be set on that has peace and contentment and joy unlike anything that they've ever experienced in their life before. But no, it's too much of a problem. And are you ready for this? Whether it's 20,000 or 5, whether it's 20,000 or 5,000, it doesn't make any difference, okay? I'd like to see you feed 5,000 with five little loaves of bread and two fish. And then at the end of it, have 12 baskets left over. And everyone to have eaten as much as they could consume. We'll see you do it for 5,000. Much less 20,000. Well, look at verse 6. This he was saying to do what? To test them. For he himself knew. Listen, Jesus already knew what he was going to do. Are you ready for this? And he knew what resources were available to him. 
I mean, let me ask you a question. We as a church today, do we have any idea of the resources that are available to us as a church? Huh? I know the first thing we're thinking of, well, yeah, we got Lifeway and we got Southern Baptist Convention and we got the North American Mission Board. And the I, that's not what I'm talking about. Who's the resource that Jesus had? It was the Father. My dear friend, listen to me. We have the same resource today. Why do we act like we don't? Why do we do church today just like everything basically falls on? If anything's going to happen here, it's going to be up to us that it happens. You ready for this? It is so easy to let what we cannot do keep us from doing what we can. I don't know about you, okay, but I guess I'm just naive enough just to believe God. Can God do anything but lie? He can. Do we trust Him? Do we? So Jesus already knew what he was intending to do. And matter of fact, are you ready for this? He knew he was going to feed them. And he knew that they would be absolutely full before they left. Verse 7. Here's a good old Philip. You know what? I like Philip. We don't know a lot about Philip, okay? Other than when Jesus had his first conversation with Andrew and, and Simon and Philip was there. And so Philip went and told Nathaniel that they'd found the Christ. And, and so Philip, okay, was one. Of, I, I refer to Philip as kind of one of those first evangelists of who Jesus Christ was. Goes and gets Nathaniel to tell him about Jesus Christ. Well, I like old Philip. Well, verse number 7, so Philip answered him. Well, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them. He said, for everyone even to receive just a little he said, we don't have enough money. I mean, there's, there's not enough money. And, and, and matter of fact, even if there was a place we could go buy it, at this time of the day, I, I don't know. Okay, let me explain to you the situation here. By this time of the day, if you were going to buy any bread or anything, it was already gone. They baked and made bread early in the morning. It was sold, and by a certain time early in the morning, most of it was already gone anyway. So if you were going to go try to buy any, you were not going to find any. And matter of fact, the amount of money that they had was, was not a great deal of money. So that was Philip's answer. And so in the, verse 8, then one of his disciples, Andrew... Simon Peter's brother. Remember Andrew? After, John the ba- after Jesus was baptized at the Jordan River, one of the other ones that Jesus first spoke to was Andrew. Simon Peter's brother. So here's Andrew. And so Andrew says to him, well, there's a lad here. He's got five barley loaves and two fish. He looks at Jesus and he says, but what in the world are these for so many people? In other words, what good is this? So we have verse 5 and verse 6. The question to Philip in verse 5 was not for information, but to probe whether or not 
Philip understood who Jesus was. It wasn't for the purpose of Philip and information here. Philip, do you understand who you're with? Do you understand who you're with? And of course, Philip's answer proved the point. The answer from Philip was one of hopelessness. There's no way we can feed all these people. Sometimes I think we miss this in in this passage, especially when it comes to the church. You know, trials and testing are allowed to come in our lives in order that our our faith might grow and increase. That's what comes. Let me ask you a question. Do, Do you have all the faith you need today? No. Are you fully, have you reached full maturity in your Christian life? No, you haven't. Do many of us today still question? A lot do. So verse 8 and verse 9 that we just looked at. So Andrew comes up empty-handed, searching for anything to feed this crowd. So here's Philip. (laughs) There ain't enough money here, okay? Here's Andrew. The only thing that's in this crowd is five barley loaves and two fish. It's all that there is. Are you ready for this? Here comes the announcement. As far as the disciples were concerned, it was a hopeless situation. Now, I wonder sometimes today, I've heard people say this. Well, you know, the church... Uh, We find ourselves today, and I have heard this comment made, we're finding ourselves in a hopeless place. Really? Why? The only reason that we have that mindset is we've allowed ourselves to get there. The only reason we have that mindset today is because that is the mindset that Satan wants us to have concerning the church today. Well, I can say this, as far as God is concerned, that is not the case. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus himself said, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Are you ready for this? I don't know if you know this, but here here comes an incoming bulletin. The church is not going away. So what do we do? You see... Man's inability set the stage for demonstration of Jesus' own compassion and power. Look at verse 10 and verse 11. And Jesus said, he looks at him and said, have the people, listen, have all of them sit down. So in this nice area, he has them all sit down, all however many. You pick a number in your head from 5,000 to 20,000, six plus acres, have them all sit down. Well, what do you want us to have them sit down for? Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sit down in number about 5,000. Verse 11, so Jesus then took the loaves, and having given thanks, he distributed to those who were seated Likewise, also of the fish, 
I don't know if you've seen this, but you ought to underline this next part. As much as they wanted. You know, most Baptists, you know, when we have meals, we have dinner on the ground, you know, and there's a main course there, okay? We tell folks, before you go through the line, you can have two pieces of chicken. Or you can have two, and if there's anything left, then you can come by or come back and get some more. You know, I've, I've been around Baptist churches and dinner. Listen, you know one of the good things about being a Baptist? Let me tell you one of the good things about being a Baptist. Huh? They eat a lot. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Did you know you don't have a Baptist meeting unless you have what? With dessert. <laughs> See there, I'm telling you. Okay, that's the place we've come to. And so, when we think about that, you know, I, I've been at a lot of dinner on the grounds, okay? That's what we call it, dinner on the grounds. Now, I will say this, church I pastored in South Georgia, matter of fact, still part of the, part of the wire was still around two of the old oak trees that were there. But here's what they used to do. They would come out if they were having dinner at the church this particular Sunday, they had this wire that was stretched out between these oak trees and they would put quilts on there and they'd set all the food on those quilts on that wire between those two big oak trees. And they'd sit there and they'd eat off that food all day long. Matter of fact, while I was there, I heard it a couple of times when we had dinner on the grounds and we had more people there than we've ever had before and all of a sudden, people are in the kitchen, and they're looking at all the food, and they're like, I don't know if we're going to have enough food. Are you ready for this? Let's see. I've been, I've been at this for 30 years, 30-plus 30 years now. Are you ready for something? I've never seen a Baptist church run out of food. <laughs> Here's what Jesus said. Let them have all they want. Who was he? He was the bread. That's who he was. What did he want the disciples to see here? They wanted to see him for who he was. Why did he ask Philip the question that he asked him? It wasn't for Philip's information. It was for Philip to understand and realize who Jesus was. Why did he ask Andrew? Andrew makes a comment. Why did Andrew show? Let me tell you something. The disciples struggled with the physical versus the spiritual and understanding really and truly who Jesus Christ is or was. I think today we struggle with the same thing. You say, why is that? I think it's evident in our churches today. My friend, listen to me. This thing is not about you and I. It's all about him. And the boy. How, how many times, how, how many of y'all have ever read this and you've heard this and everybody find, just kind of forgets about the little boy? Do you realize Jesus just took all his food? 
And he's feeding all these other people with this food of his. You ready for this? Here it comes. And the boy. He did not let what he didn't have keep him from giving what he did have to Jesus. Did he have enough to feed those 20,000? No. But here's what he did. Here's what he did. He took what he did have and he gave it to the one who could multiply it. That's what he did. Sure, he fed 5,000 plus. And they ate until they were filled. Look at verse 12. And so when they were filled said to his disciples he says gather up the leftover fragments so that nothing will be lost so they gathered them up filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten and therefore when the people saw the sign which he had performed They said, this is truly the prophet who has come into the world. They still didn't realize who he was. They still didn't fully understand who he was. You see, this comes from a very Jewish mindset because what prophet were they looking to return was Elijah? They had 12 baskets left over. And I know people have, listen, I've, I've read, there, there are many out there today who try to spiritualize the 12 baskets. Okay, what are the six baskets, 12? He had a, he, let me ask you, what if he'd had one basket left over? What if he'd had none left over? Did it negate what he did? No. It didn't. But he had 12 left over. And some say that was for each one of the disciples so they would know who he was. Okay. I still think they struggled with it. Let me ask you a question. Do you struggle with who he is today? Huh? See, I know who he is. And I know what he can do. You say, well, how do you know what he can do? Are you ready for this? Because he did it in me. Are there baskets left over? You better betcha. Whole bunch of baskets left over. So what was the lesson behind the leftovers? Let's ask, let's just, let's ask that question. So what was the lesson behind the leftovers? I believe this is the lesson behind the leftovers. It was to show the disciples that he had the power to meet their needs and more. The same holds true for us today. Do you believe that? Huh? 
if we did and we fully embraced it, are you ready for this? Then it ought to change the way we live Monday through Saturday. People saw the miracle. But keep in mind, this is the same group that's been following them around the countryside watching the signs. Are there a lot of people out there today that's wanting a sign? There are. I hate to tell you this. Signs already been given, and his name is Jesus Christ. You don't need any other sign. He is the sign. That's who he is. So I want to ask you another question. So what do you think when the will of God doesn't seem to just kind of add up? You ever wondered about that? You ever thought about that? What do, what do we think when the will of God just doesn't? Apparently, there's no way God can be a part of it. Is that, is that how we often look at it? So here's what we do. Our response, okay, is not to keep crunching numbers and try auditing the will of God. You see, the will of, the will of God is not a zero-sum game. You say, Brother Robert, what in the world is a zero-sum game? Well, let me tell you what. In mathematical terms, here's what it is. It's when the losses are subtracted from the gains and the sum is zero. They had 12 baskets left over. When you add God to the equation, His output is always greater than your input. His output is always greater than your input. And don't ever forget that. You see, this thing's not about you and me. It's all about Him. So what does this fourth miracle say about God? I'll tell you what it says. That nothing is too big for God. The church today? Culture? Wokeism? CRT? Cancel culture? The economy going to who knows which direction in a basket? I'll let you fill that in. You fill it in with whatever you want to fill it in. still there and he knows exactly where we are let me tell you what he needs today it's not a time to pull back our input but it's a time for us to rely wholly and completely on his output and to give him what we can give him so to refresh your thoughts in closing this morning it is so easy to let what we cannot do
keep us from doing what we can. Amen? Let's stand together with heads bowed and eyes closed. He's the head of the church. He loved the church. Church isn't going anywhere. So it comes down to this. Are we going to make a difference trusting Jesus Christ, following him, looking to God to supply all the need that we have, giving what we can give, expecting greater things from him. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the gospel of John. Father, thank you for what we can see in the Scripture. Father, we know who you are. Thank you for Jesus Christ. And Father, there is no hope apart from him. It's through Christ that we find It is through Christ that we find our being and who we are. So, Father, I pray this morning, during this time of, of reflection, Father, we would just search our own hearts. Father, look to you. I pray this morning that the Holy Spirit would bring conviction into the hearts of those that need it so desperately today. Father, may our hearts be encouraged and strengthened by what we've seen in your word this morning. Do what you only can do in our hearts. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Brother Red's going to come lead us now.